0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is Paul Madat. I'm Thankful for you being here today, and I'm looking forward to this one. Today, I have Mike Tamalty. He is Global VP of Sales at Decibel, coming to us from the other side of the pond in Oxford, UK. Mike, good morning. Actually, good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon. Good morning, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for
0: inviting me. You're welcome. Uh, Say hi to everybody and provide a quick intro, then we'll get into it.
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Mike Tamalty. I'm the VP of Global Inside Sales and Sales Enablement over at Decibel. Um, it's a real pleasure to speak to you today.
0: Well, Micah, thanks again for being here. Listen, we're, we're recording this session, middle of June. Uh, I don't want to be tone deaf to what's going on in the world right now with COVID in the last 90 days. Uh, how are you? How are your family? Uh, how are things being impacted over in London? And uh, just talk to me about how you're doing. Yeah, I
1: mean, thankfully, the family's not too badly impacted um, by, by the situation. Um, company-wise, we've had um some readjustments that we've had to make during this period um but overall it's been um it's been a positive experience as well i'm super proud of the team the company that i work for and the support that they're giving to all of their employees during this period of time we've all um moved to a work from home basis the same as everybody and the the support that the the is giving to everybody has been fantastic so it's been it's been um it's been an experience, I think it's fair to say.
0: Yeah, experience is, a, is, a, is an interesting word. It's, it's, it's a very accurate word. And, uh, you know, my, my wife's a nurse. And so, you know, we manage that and with the two kids. And wow. I'm, I'm optimistic that we are, you know, in front of this thing, hopefully. I mean, geez, I don't know how much longer the the world overall can, can really sustain this. But um, we'll see what happens. So I'm glad to hear that other than the inconvenience of maybe having to work from home and figure out re- remotely, uh, for the most part, you and your family are doing okay and hunkering down. Yeah, so not to be tone deaf, but the positive side as well.
1: I've got 20 hours a week of commute time back, um, so that's also a real positive for me.
0: You know, it's funny that you say that because uh, I'm hearing that more and more, uh, that, that, that that there are positives that I can actually be more productive um by by working from home figuring it out and uh and doing that so uh well good well congrats on on looking at it from that perspective as opposed to you know down in the dumps the whole time <laughs> what can we help all right so let's get into it then so uh, your intention matters as we talked about before i hit record uh the the premise of the podcast is that everything that you have in your life for the most part and what you've been able to create is is from intention and mindset that you haven't really been able to ride anybody's coattails and nothing's been really gifted to you. And there's some stories along the way and probably some big decisions. And so uh, knowing what I know about your uh, your, your pretty um, pretty good career here, uh, I'm looking forward to sharing your story. So you ready to go? Let's do it. All right, let's go back to the mid 90s. This is what we do on this podcast. We're going back in time here. Uh, the mid 90s, Loretto College, 93, 94. It looks like you were going down uh, more of a technology, uh, Bachelor of Science in technology and Technology in IT. Um, yet here you are, Global VP of Sales. Uh, talk to me about when you were finishing your schooling. Um, what did you think you'd be doing with your life? What was your vision back then? Do you remember? um i mean I, I was somebody that
1: wanted to get into the work life as soon as possible i wasn't a big one for education uh university was never in my my future um i had a, a father that worked um all the hours at at sent he sent a, set a great example for me in terms of getting out there and earning a, a crust as we say over here in the in the uk um so going from school um I did, I did relatively well. Um, I was not the most studious of students, but I got some good grades. I then decided to, to move into um, an IT course because I thought I'm quite technical. Um, I enjoy the technical aspects of working with computers. Um, so therefore, I didn't feel like it was uh, academia. I didn't feel like I was mm. going to school. I thought I was going to earn a trade and something that I'll be able to use going forward. Um, and then towards the end of that course, it was like, what what do I want to do? So I was doing a little bit of individual contributor sales job. So I was working for telemarketing agencies um, in, in the evenings and at weekends. So I was used to making phone calls very early on, um, so maybe 17, 18 years of age. Um, and then I got the bug. I got the bug for sales from that in knocking down the doors and reaching out to, to people and speaking to people on a daily basis. So. Um, the IT future at that that stage was on pause. I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to follow that. I'm going to follow this this new exciting career of sales.
0: So, so did you move right from uh, from IT in terms of your schooling, like right into a career in sales, or did you actually establish some sort of a career in IT or technology at all?
1: Um, no, so I, I moved directly into um, sales. A lot of it was. Um, little jobs working for small agencies on a contract basis just to do some telemarketing projects, do some appointment setting for um, whether it was solar panels or whatever it was back then. Um, So I was just picking up little bits of work here and there across the city of Manchester. Um, And then decided that would be the path for me and decided to to look for something a little bit more stable that I could get my get my. My teeth into mm. so that's when I started to work for for other companies um, well, rather than these small agencies. Well, you've
0: had some good runs at some really you know big global companies like Equifax, EMC, ServiceNow, and so uh, so so let's fast forward a little bit here and let's ta- let's talk about Equifax. And so, um, how did you find Equifax? Did they find <clears throat> you? Did you raise your hand? How did that happen?
1: So a little bit of an interesting story around this. So um, just before Equifax, I was working for um, a company called Sage Software. So a big accounting software company um, as an inside sales leader over there. And um, my wife got taken seriously ill and we were living down south in in uh, London, south of London at that time. And we had no family support ne- network or anything to, su- to support us. So we moved back up to Manchester um, where all of our family was and I had to find a new job. But as like I said, my wife was getting more and more ill. Mm. And we got to the point where she had some serious surgery. Um, and I'd had this interview out there that I was expecting to have at Equifax, um, over in Bradford. So Bradford is like 50 miles away from, from Manchester. My wife had just had this surgery. She was in, um, um, intensive care for a little while. And I decided, I went into the hospital, I said, forget that interview, I'm not going to bother, I'm just here, I'm here for you, I'm going to look after you. And (laughs) I won't use the expletives on here, but she told me to get my so-and-so over to that interview over at Aquifax. And it was the smartest thing that she ever did for me, was to make sure that I went to that interview, because from that point onwards, my career really took off. Um, So that was that was the story of Equifax and how that started.
0: Well that's, a, you know, listen, I appreciate your candidness and openness to sharing that because I'm, I'm sure there are people listening who um, have similar experiences right, where, where we, you know, on LinkedIn we put our, our business resume and all of our accolades and our careers and the jobs that we've done and if we're in sales, we usually will post, you know, overplanned performance and president's clubs, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, we don't post the, the, the personal impact and, and the, the, the life part of it around decisions. And so um, you had a pretty um, serious thing to handle there. And with your life partner, and she says, "You know, get out of this hospital and go get that interview." And, and here, you know, it, it, it's a great paradigm shift into what you're what you're able to create. So, how long were you at Equifax? Uh, for around four years. For around four years. Yeah. Okay, so, so. At
1: Equifax, I ran um, a number of teams. So we had two teams within our commercial um, data business, and we, I had one team in the consumer data business. So I had a team in. Um, Wexford, Southern Ireland, and two over uh, in Bradford.
0: Okay, so four-year run at Equifax. Uh, global organization. I'm sure lots of bandwidth and runway to do different things if you want to. That's one of the nice things about working for a large organization. Uh, sometimes, you know, when you're working for a large organization like that, they, they can move like glaciers in some scenarios as well with decisions and things like that. Um, so talk to me about your decision to move on. Where'd you go and why? So this is when I decided that um, I wanted to get back into
1: IT. And so I'd spent a little bit of time working within software, I'd spent a little bit of time working within the data industry uh, at Equifax, and an opportunity arose to go and work for EMC, and the opportunity to move back down south. um, So I toyed with the idea of previously living in, in London, um, when I was at Sage Software, we moved back up to Manchester for the reasons I explained. And this opportunity presented itself to, to move back down to, to manage a team for uh, EMC. And um, so that was the decision process. We went through the interview process, went really, really well, got the got the gig. Um, we made some exceptional growth in the first, um, first six to seven months within the organization. We changed a little bit of the strategy around um, my team, in terms of going after more of the commercial volume space, um, so it's a lot of um, transactional business. And the, the company decided at that stage, well, we, we want to split the your role. We want to have a district manager up in back in Manchester. We want one down in London, uh, and we'd like you to go back to Manchester. I'm like, well, <laughs> I've just uh, a little bit of yo-yo here. <laughs> um, I've just moved my family again. I've put them in new schools again. Um, so I'm probably not going to do that. Um, so ultimately I, I, I did myself out of a, a role um, at EMC. They were great, they looked after me, they, they find, found new homes for me within EMC to go and lead the DMR and reseller um, business in terms of working with the big uh, inside sales-led um, uh, partners. Um, But that wasn't my forte. My forte was leading um, teams directly rather than indirectly through partnerships. So I then started to search for the next thing, um, which probably timing-wise was not fantastic. So I moved to Serena Software um, in 2008, just at the time of the crash. And that's the, the, uh, I got made redundant. After six months, I I built a new team. um, We were just hitting the ground running, Um, but the impact was quite, Quite severe at the time, um, and all of my team um, were were taken out. So it was not an ideal timing. Um, but that's what happened um, at that stage.
0: So, so Serena Software, you join the the world in a bit of a, a financial economic crisis. Uh, sounds like you, you sounds like you got packaged off as as a result of uh, you know the business climate. And Mike, at this time, how many kids do you have, and how old were they? Um, so. How old was... So 2008,
1: I had a 11-year-old. I had two older stepchildren. Um, so 11, he would have been 19, and then the eldest daughter would have been 25, 26. Um, so, yeah, I've got quite the range yeah. of children. They're all grown up. My youngest is 22, and he's crushing it as an inside sales rep um,
0: himself now. Well, at the um, time I'm yeah. sure that was a lot of pressure because you, you have an eleven year old who's probably old enough to know what's going on in the world, is smart enough to kinda of digest it, but not really old enough to really get it. But there's yeah. still responsibilities of being a parent. And then you have a teenager or, or maybe it sounds like your step your step uh, child maybe might have even been to university at that time or so you have the expenses like that and you're trying to raise them and yet you're trying to figure out well now what do I do next? And you know when you when you have that happen to you i'm sure there were probably some thoughts of well now what even though you have a good resume but there's still change and it's still unknown so how'd you handle that
1: yeah i mean i was quite fortunate because back in 2006 i'd started my own company called my acorn which was, it was a sales training consultancy we were doing some telemarketing for other agencies so i thought we could do this better there's a lot of agencies out there who provide these kind of services and my thought was I've never had a good experience working with these kind of agencies myself so maybe if I did one myself we, we could provide a better service um, and that that company diversified a little bit and we started working with a company up in Manchester called Pen- Peninsula Business and they provide HR consultancy and we, we did a number of seminars around the, the UK with SMBs and, that that kept the 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 lights on yeah it kept the lights on it kept ticking over whilst i was then looking for the next the next thing for me and the family um so it was it was good to have that safety net um of a side project a side business that was ticking along during that period of time
0: well, I th- so I think the moral of the story there is when in doubt, uh, just start a sales training company like me and you.
1: Back <laughs> <laughs> yourself every time. <laughs>
0: All right. So good. So I'm glad that you had something to fall back on and was able to sustain and get through that. And, and I know that you uh, just knowing what I know about your career from what you shared with me, um, you had a really solid, uh, like solid run at ServiceNow. So, so, okay, so you get through the financial crisis, uh, as we all battled through it, and then you have your own organization at a, at a time, and you kind of figure out how to plow through that. So you joined ServiceNow, when was this, 2011, 2012?
1: Yeah, so the back end of 2011, I think the December of 2011 started.
0: Okay, so, so the end of 11, um, did ServiceNow find you? Did you, was it applicants? What were you doing to, to get in the door with them?
1: It was a, a headhunter that I'd worked with previously. And at that time, I was back in my own company again, and it was ticking along, and it was actually doing quite nicely at that stage. But, and I wasn't really looking to to make a move. And at, at that stage, I'd never heard of service now. Uh, a, a lot of people at that time really hadn't heard of service now. They're, they're up and coming. But the headhunter said to me, it'd be worth you having a conversation. They seem like they're on the up. And there's something really interesting about the interview process. Like, oh, okay, so one of the interviewers is called Kevin Tormolty. I thought, well, I don't know that person. He's got the same surname as me. That's going to be interesting, even just to have a conversation. So I then took the the interview, had the conversation, and um, took it from there. I uh, got the got the gig.
0: And did you guys ever determine a lineage uh, between the the, the <laughs> same surnames?
1: <laughs> um, so we've. we've We've looked at it. Kevin and I are really close friends now and we spend a lot of time. So um, I'm a season ticket holder at Manchester United and I got him a ticket next to me. And every now and again, we travel up to, to Manchester together. So we're, we're quite friendly. And we've had those conversations, but there's plenty of emails where people was asking, internally, like, is that your brother? Is that your cousin? Is that your dad? So i had all of those jokes.
0: Well, well good. That, that's such a funny story that, uh, I mean, because uh, I don't know what it's like in the UK, but I can't imagine Tumulti is like Smith in the US. It's not that No, right. we certainly don't. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so you go through the interview process. How long um, was your tenure at ServiceNow? So just over four years. Just over four years. Okay. Uh, good run?
1: Excellent. I mean, it's the, uh, I had the most fun um working anywhere was that service now it was very diverse it was super high paced um huge growth um, both personally professionally uh, revenue wise team wise there was just so much going on um, and we we're all on a mission um under the leadership of day schneider we we really motored during during that period of time
0: okay so four years uh, things are good um, but yet, here you are a decibel in in twenty twenty uh, what was the, what was behind the decision to move on? Was it yours or was it theirs
1: no so it was, it was more of a joint decision at the end of the four years because i was i mean I was traveling the world i was uh, I had hundred and ten people in my organization wow. when, I, when i I left I had five directors but I was involved in every single interview that we brought onto the team. I trained everybody that came into the business so I went over to California uh, once a month for what we called Shark Camp, which was our sales foundation course. And I did the inside sales track for everybody coming into the organization to make sure they were all on the same um, level um, keel in terms of training. Um, So there's a lot of travel for me in that final year. Um, So at the end of the year, I'm looking at my passport, I'm looking at the stamps on my book and I've got 15 times to the US. i S I've got two times to Australia, Singapore, Tokyo, and there's countless uh, meetings and uh, trips into Amsterdam. So I was kind of burnt at the end um, because we were running at such a fast pace. Um, so at the end of that year, we just made the decision. like, I'm, I'm fully vested from a stock perspective in mm. terms of my initial. Um, I'm doing quite well from an RSU perspective. Um, I'm going to take a bit of a break. I uh, Thank you immensely for everything that you've done for me but we'll, 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 we'll part at this stage so that was the end of service now um, I speak to people there constantly um, um, I've got some great friends within within there um, so nothing nothing but great things to say about that organization and my time spent there
0: well congrats on, on having such a, a successful uh time there and as somebody who has my fair share of air miles as well with what i do for a living i can appreciate your comment there because the, the flights that you're talking about those are long hauls like it's it's yeah. not like you're flying from dublin to to england to london or to london to manchester with, like within the uk i mean you're going across the world there those are massive halls and the body needs time to recover. I mean, the, the time zone changes from, from England um, to, uh, to California is immense and the flights are long. And so uh, I, I can appreciate what you're saying that after a while, um, it's nice to have air miles. It's nice to have status with airlines and, you know, group one when you when you jump on the plane and stuff. But at some point, you need to have some balance and some, uh, you know, uh, foundation in your life. So uh, So you make the decision to leave on your own. It's mutual. And um, what did you do next? Um, so I decided at that stage, right, I'm going to take six months off. I'm going to do
1: nothing whatsoever for six months. Um, that lasted for about six weeks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I got approached um, by a company called Panaya. They'd just been through an acquisition from Infosys, So they were looking to really scale and grow um, their impact analysis companies. So they were working with companies like SAP and Oracle, helping businesses go through the um, the upgrade and the changes that they needed to go through. So they were looking for somebody to really build out and scale their organization. So an Israeli startup that had just been acquired. So I built out teams in Boston. I built out teams in um, in Reading, just outside of London. Um, and then I built a team down in Australia. So sucker for punishment here. Um, I built another team down in Australia. So again, the air miles were yeah. frequent. Um, and then around 12 months in, we had a, a change in leadership on the Americas side and I went over to the U.S. and around ran the um, Americas field sales organization as well as my day job um, for around seven months whilst we found um, somebody to come in and, and take that role. Um, so I did that for, I was there for about 18 months in total. Um, at the end of that period in the U.S., I didn't really want to come back and do what I'd been doing previously um, and decided to to take a a break again. Um, uh, This time I was determined that six months, I'm absolutely going to take the six months off. Um, uh, I didn't quite get to six months, but it was close enough.
0: Well, that's incredible. I mean, if you look at your career, you've had three breaks. One was where you were voluntold to leave uh, under circumstances outside of your performance, just it is what it is. And then you've had two elective, Decisions were okay. Now I need to do this for my own life and I need to have I make this decision. So, your first kick at that can was six months, last six weeks, and then you jump back in in the deep end and start traveling again. And then the second time around, uh, you make the choice and you have a better uh, run at the six months. And so, did you and you must have enjoyed that period 100 um, percent? So, the wife and I.
1: We like to travel. I mean, for somebody that's got the air miles that I do, I actually hate flying. Um, But we travel a lot um, because my wife's a big fan of flying. So Mm. we spent a lot of time in the US. Um, We spend um, most of our summers down in Los Angeles. Um, So we we travel a lot and we've been all over the world, really. Um, So we spent a a bit of time doing that during those six months. Um, And then towards maybe four months in, I started to get approaches that were more interesting um, so at, at the turn of the year I started a process um, with Decibel um, and then by the February I decided to go and um, get back to get back to work.
0: And so now you've been at Decibel for just over two years and uh, having a good run there trying to manage what's happening with COVID but um, um, congrats on, on just a stellar career it's amazing.
1: No I really appreciate it so it's it's been it's been great so far. Um, and I'm looking forward to, um, to the future. Yeah. Was,
0: um, well, Mike, let me, let me close with this. Um, any advice for anybody listening? I always like to ask this question of any guest that comes on, if there was one piece of advice that's maybe been shared with you or that has worked for you, either professionally or personally. Um, I'm sure there's lots with your background and your different experiences, but, uh, anything you might share right now that, um, might resonate yeah. with some of the audience.
1: Yeah I mean the main thing is to to own your own career because what I've tried to do wherever I've been is create an environment for people to flourish with their career and to, to get the promotions and to get the, the bigger packages. Um, so I, I touched briefly on my time at service now, but in my final year I had 110 people, but I had 46 people during that year promoted out of my organization. Mm. So I'm there to open up the doors. But people need to be ready. They need to own their own destiny, um, own their own career, and make sure that they're ready when that opportunity presents itself. I will give everybody every single opportunity that they need to progress, um, but they need to own it. It's not for me to own their career. It's for them to do it themselves. So own your own career is, is the number one driver for me. And whenever I'm interviewing people, I'm asking people, Right. What's your career path look like? Not this typical, what do you, where do you see yourself in three, four five years? It is career wise. What do you see for yourself? Um, and I'm looking for those people that have aspirations not to do the job that I'm hiring for, right. but to one beyond that and one beyond that.
0: I think that's very well said, Mike. And listen, thanks again for, uh, for being here. I've enjoyed, uh, your time and listening to your story. Thanks.
1: I really appreciate it, Paul.
0: You're very welcome. Okay, everybody, listen, we'll wrap this one up right now. Uh, Thanks everybody again for being here. Remember, your intention matters because as I say, that's the result that you'll tend to get. We're out of here and uh, we'll do it again next week. Be safe, everyone.